blood. The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I see the enemy coming in like a flood in our houses, in our churches, in our families. But what I don't see is the standard. People of God, where's the standard at? We're in a war, y'all. It's time to stand, y'all. The Lord gave the word, and great was the company of them that published it. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Welcome to the Know Your Bible radio broadcast that reaches around the world daily with the good news about Jesus Christ our Lord. I am your host, Bishop Fred A. Carwell Sr. Now lend me your ear, and let's go inside of Know Your Bible and hear God's life-changing word. Welcome to Know Your Bible. John, the fifth chapter, and the ninth verse. In First John chapter 5 and verse 9, you will find these consecrated words. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believed not the record that God gave of his son. God's assurance to every believer of eternal life. Now if God was a liar and a perpetrator, I don't think I'd be at this desk asking the body of Christ to believe what he said. I think the problem today comes in with doubt and disbelief. God wants to assure all of his children all of the time that they are always saved. You came from your mother's womb. You cut up. I know you did. Because I did. And human nature will cause you to cut up even now the flesh. But that didn't stop you from being your mother's child. That did not stop you from being your daddy's child. So is not God greater? If we receive the witness of men, first of all, all your life you've been answering to your name and you don't even know who named you. You receive the witness of men that that's your name. That's your name. You know, some kids, smaller kids, three, four years old, 
You might say to that child, your name Jeffrey. Now tell me what is your name. You know what the child going to say? Name. Because it has not come together yet that his name is Jeffrey. He doesn't know his name. God calls us Christians. Well, let me put it like this. They were first called Christians at Antioch because their lifestyle did not mimic the lifestyle of those that lived in Antioch. It's almost like, okay, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. They didn't do what the Romans were doing. They had a stellar life that Christ could be magnified and seen in their lives. And so therefore they were first called Christians at Antioch. The assurance of being born again is very important for everyone who names the name of Christ. I know when I got born again, uh, I didn't have anybody teach me. And in the middle of all of that confusion, in the middle of all of that confusion, my mind was totally confused as it relates to being a bona fide child of God. Listening to the radio didn't help because this one preacher was saying this one thing. You, you know, it's, it's, it's holiness or hell. You know, you smoking them cigarettes, you going to hell. And, and then you turn on, you hear some little sweet music, you know, a little piano playing and all that telling you to come to Christ and be saved. So you wonder which one is which? which what is the truth right here? Well, God has a truth. God is truth. And somewhere and somehow in the middle of a wicked and perverse generation, we must find ourselves believing what God said. It does not matter what somebody else says. does not matter where they have come from with their philosophy. I don't give a flip. What did God's word say about what God is talking about? And that's what the church needs to settle down and put our feet upon and move forward with that. I believe God, do you? Well, if you believe God and since you believe God, don't be taking all that time up with these false teachers. Paul put it like this. What if some don't believe? God abided faithful. He cannot deny himself. If God said it, we need to stand on it. Case closed. Okay? So God wants us to be assured, uh, uh, every believer, of eternal life. And when I first read these scriptures years ago, I said, my goodness, here it is right here. It's all succinct. It's all in one place, basically. And if we could just take this nugget of truth, it would spread over the whole New Testament. And that's uh, uh, the, what I'm striving to do here today with you is to assure you of eternal life. God does not want us guessing when it comes to eternal life. He wants us to know. Don't you want to know? Sure you want to know. You, you want to know what did God say about eternal life. First of all, uh, let me, allow me to come, no, let me just deal with this right here. First uh, John 5 and 9, if you have it, say I have it. Now notice this, if we receive, 
not fuss about, not argue about, not fall out about, but receive. Just like if I were to give you a $50 bill, you know, in your hand today, I don't think you'd have a problem receiving it. And the proper response to that is thank you. So if we receive the witness of men, we go buy that car. We buy that house in that subdivision. They give us a ticket, a certificate saying that there are no termites living in this house. We receive the witness of men. We do it all the time. The doctor says, I saw something on your mammogram. On your mammogram. So we have the secretary called and set an appointment for you to come back. Now feel and grip your heart. Because you don't know if you got cancer or not. We receive the witness of men. And we set those appointments and we make those appointments. We cancel other stuff. Because a man said so. And I'm not kicking that down. The mechanic says we fix your car. Only to find out when you get down the road, the whole engine done fell out on the middle of the street. When is the last time you received the witness of men or the witness of a man and it altered your conduct and you had to come to work early and you had to stay late? We do it all the time. But when it comes to God, oh, no, 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 no. There's got to be another scripture in there that's going to contradict that scripture. The Bible does not contradict itself in no place. Paul never says anything that contradicts Paul, that, that contradicts Peter. It, it doesn't happen in the Bible. And that's why we can depend on God. If he said it, he'll do it. And if he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. That's the kind of God we serve. We can depend on him. He is faithful and he is just. And he's good. So if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Wait a minute. Who made the stars? Who made the oceans and the seas? So if, 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 if that lie is perpetrated like it was years ago, if God is dead, then can you tell me where his body lies? The way folk making money right now, man, they have signs from here to wherever that body is every two steps. Making money off God's body. Even Jesus is in his own body and he ain't here. Spiritually, yes. Physically, no. Who are you seeking? Christ. He's not here. He's risen as he said. So we receive the witness of men, but the witness of God is always greater. Whether you want to look at the sun, whether you want to look at the moon, whether you want to look at the stars. I tell you, don't go that far. Just go outside and look at that pine tree. He made that. And he made that because he spoke that into existence himself. And made everything that is made. So if we receive, that means I believe it. 
You see, when you say receive, that's another word for believe. Amen. Amen. So if we believe the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. And, and what, what I like about this is that it is saying, saying, and then it's pointing it out. And God has done the same thing to get us saved. He provides the dialogue for us to get saved. We don't have to come up with it on our own. Ain't God good? This is the dialogue to get saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who is the whosoever? Same whosoever in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. So if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Listen to this. For this is the witness of God. Ain't that plain? He's, he, he's going to give it to us. So we don't have to originate it. We don't have to come up with it. Only thing we need to do is to say it. I need to say that again. Only thing that we need to do as human people or humanoids is say what he says. It's just that simple. And when we say what he says, we know that we just said what he said. Okay? Now notice this. For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his son. Didn't he say that this is my beloved son? Didn't he say it? In whom I'm well pleased? Well, if he said that, then this, this is his beloved son in whom he's well pleased. He didn't say that about me. He didn't say that about you. He didn't say he's well pleased with you. All that cake and ice cream and belly sticking all out like you, you know. Mm -mm. God gave us dialogue to be saved with. Now, if a person says, I'm not going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord with my mouth. I'm not going to say that. Ain't nobody going to make me say that. Well, then that's fine. You can't be saved. Who in their right mind in days like these, except one person I know, and he's in Washington, D.C. Who in days like these, who in days like these, that does not have sense enough, to say what God said. I ain't saying nothing. Well you can't be saved. You mean it comes down to what I say? It sure does. It comes down to what you don't say. Well you know I just believe that Jesus. Right over there with Muhammad them. You believe that huh? Did Muhammad make the stars? The sand? The seas? The ocean, the trees, the bees. Nobody made that but Jesus. That's what I believe. And I ain't coming down off my story. And don't you come down off your story. Because God has 
the last word. Amen. You still with me? <clears throat> In verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believed not the record that God gave of his Son. Now right here in, in, in reading a few theologians, what, what we have is God has finally decided that he's going to come into the courtroom and testify. <laughs> the man himself is on the witness stand. And he has decided to come in and testify as to who Jesus is. Now let me ask you a question. Who is Jesus to you? You know, he asked his disciples that question on the coast of Caesarea Philippi. Whom do you say that I am? They had to come on up with it, Holmes. And you better come up with it in 2020. Who do you say that Jesus is? It's a danger in trying to put Christ on the same level with Moses. He made Moses. When Peter, James, and John in the 17th chapter of Matthew's gospel went up on the mountain of transfiguration. Peter, James, John, and Jesus. One of them said, Lord, let's make three tabernacles right here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. How can you, you can't put Elijah, you can't put Moses, you can't even put Jeremiah. You can't put nobody in that Bible on the same level with Jesus. Unless it's God. You can't do it. You can't do it. The words that we have, Jesus spoke it. The words that Paul spoke, God gave those to him to speak. We cannot play both ends against the middle. We know Jesus said this and Paul said this. There's no contradiction. You confused. Whenever you go there, you always confused and stand in need of teaching. So we have God on the witness stand in the courtroom. God, could you tell me who Jesus is? It's not a problem. He's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's who he is. He is my son. It's just that simple. And when I say it's just that simple, I mean it's a lot of complication coming up to the simplicity of it. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. <laughs> I do. You know why? Because I can. And because I've been given a choice. I choose Christ. Because there was a time I ain't have Christ in my life. I had some more stuff I could give you. But I ain't have Christ in my life. Christ is, a, is the main man. He's the main man. He picks me up when I fall down. He has written my name in the book of life. I can prove it. 
My name is already inscribed in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it cannot be blotted out. Because I accepted Jesus, I am forever, 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 forever saved. Forever saved. And, and that does not change. Let me go about proving this. Verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God had the witness in himself. Who's the witness? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is the witness. Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is the witness to the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he put it like this. No man. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. I told you last week, ain't no back door to glory. God didn't carry you down the master key and cut you a special little golden key. While the rest of us are dealing over there with the judgment seat of Christ, you just walk up, pull your key out, and just open the door and go on in the back door. While the rest of us out there sweating and get beat up for stuff we didn't do. There's no back door to glory. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door. Now you think about where your life would have been had you not met the Lord today. Just, just think about where your life would be right now if you had not met Jesus. What kind of life would you have? God is faithful and God is just. And I tell you what he's calling upon us to do is to believe him. Now notice what I did not say. I did not say believe in him. I didn't say believe on him. I said to believe him. Well, if I believe that God sent his son Jesus and I met his son Jesus and I called upon him and confessed him, I'm as saved as I will ever be. I won't ever be no more saved than I am right now. Somebody need to tell the Lord, thank you. He that believeth on the Son of God had the witness in himself. He that believeth not God had made him a liar because he believed not the record that God gave of his Son. Now if God didn't want us to know that we have eternal life by calling on Jesus, he never should have told us. So then you might say, well, what can I do to have that eternal life taken away from me? Huh? What can I do to have that eternal life taken away from me? Can I go out on the parking lot and get a baseball bat and tear all the windshields out? No, you can get a good whipping from those whose car you damaged. Um, if I went and shot up a place and killed 25 people this morning, would I lose my eternal life? You may lose your life on this side of the bars. But you're probably going to be on that side trying to live. There's nothing you can do. To make God not love you. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing that, that we could do to make him back up from us. And then not only that, let's take another step. It's not anything that we can do to make God 
Well, then I don't know about that. Because I think some of us can do some stuff to teach him something. <laughs> He'd be looking at us say, how, how did you do that? You know, his disciples, you know, he could there do no mighty works except lay his hands on a few sick folk and bless them. Because he, he marveled. Why? Because of their unbelief. Out of all that God has done, do you sometimes wonder whether or not he's going to do it again? Whether or not he's going to come through for you again? God is faithful. And he does not bless us predicated on our actions. The blessings that God got your name on today, all things being equal, they should get to you. Because his mercies are new every day. Amen. So I got to witness in myself. Say that back to me. He that believeth not God had made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. Now, one of the patriarchs said, my name is in heaven and my record is on high. <laughs> we are so blessed. Listen, our names are in the book of life. Somebody tell the Lord thank you. You remember the, the, the Lord sent out 70? And they went out there and they came back and they were so happy. They were saying, well, Lord, you know, we cast out demons in your name and this and that. And Jesus said, that's okay if you want to rejoice over casting out some demons in my name. But you should rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Yeah. Clap your hands, somebody. I'm telling you, see... <laughs> This is what you call plain truth. P-L-A-N-E. Plain truth. <laughs> plain truth, baby. So I'm saved always. And my name is in the book. And cannot be blotted out. And Jesus said, you need to rejoice because your names are written where? In heaven. In heaven. Well, my name is written in heaven. My record is on high. Uh, all the things that God has forgiven you for, they're not up there. Do I need to repeat that? All the things that you've done and have confessed as sin, they're not up there. God has blotted those things out and have cast them as far away as the east is from the west. And listen to what he said. And I will remember them no more. Now who wouldn't serve a God like this? I will remember your sins ever no more. So please, you stop tripping over the iniquities that you've done. If you've gone to God, they've been forgiven. Now, where does the problem come in, Pastor? I, I don't feel forgiven. I, I'm feeling some kind of way. <laughs> I don't care what kind of way, some kind of way you're feeling. God doesn't even remember your sins anymore. He has cast those things as far away from us as the east is from the west. And the man said, I won't remember them no more. Now, who wouldn't serve a God like that? 
You wouldn't serve God like that. But you know where the problem comes in? Not feeling forgiven. Well, could you search this Bible and find for me how you're supposed to feel when you're forgiven? You think the devil going to let you off just like that? Because you say, Father, I have sinned in the name of Jesus, and I've done this and I've done that. You think you're going to walk away feeling good? The devil going to mess with you for the next three years. But who's, uh, listen, whose report will you believe? I know it's a challenge. You sin, you confess your sins, you walk away, you still feel guilty. Now who you going to believe? You see, because if you feel too good that your sin's just been forgiven, you're too happy. It's almost like you wanted to do it and you enjoyed doing it. You're too happy. So if you confess your sins at 12 noon on Saturday, and about 5 o'clock, you're still feeling guilty, then whose report you going to believe? Don't let no man put you in bondage because the moment you confess your sins, you're forgiven. Huh? And not only that, God, who is the facilitator, takes our sins and casts them as far as east is from the west. Now, you don't have no penance you can put on my life that I got to do to satisfy you. Huh? Y'all remember coming to America? No, I'm not talking about the grease on the couch on the head back there. But you remember coming to America? And the character that um, what's-his-face was playing, Eddie Murphy was playing, and this woman was supposed to be uh, from over there, wherever they were from. They wasn't or London, whatever it was. Anyway, in, in anyway, he told that woman. He said, "Get on one foot and bark like a dog." <laughs> God doesn't make us do that. If we confess, He forgives. And you get on up and you go wash dishes. Now I'm not saying that our hearts should not be broken. But then after a hot minute, you should be right back to doing what you were doing. See, he, he, here it is. And I know this may challenge some of you in here that want people to be all beat up. Now, isn't it something? We want God to get them when it's against us. But when it's what we do, we don't want God to get us. We want to God to forget us. <laughs> to, to forget and not enforce that righteous thing upon us. It's perfectly okay to receive forgiveness from God and feel good about it. Because there is nothing in this Bible that tells me how many hours I got to do this. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And not only that, to cleanse us from all. Can you say all? Oh. Well, that means every bit of it. So we don't have to be feeling some kind of way to try to assess whether or not we've been forgiven. It's an insult to God. 
it insults his holy righteousness. If he says, I forgive you, and you say, I'm not forgiven, then what are you supposed to do? If he says, I forgive you, and you say, no, 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 you don't, Lord. I, I, no, I, I'm just feeling bad. It's nothing wrong with feeling bad, but at, how long do you feel bad? Am I talking to the body of Christ? So how long should you feel bad? Do you have a scripture? Well, you say, Job, what about Job? You can't put it on Job, because Job, Job thought God was doing it to him. Am I right? Am I somewhere in the Bible? And man, when you think God is against you, you're not going to have no happy day. You can sing the song and still don't have it. And there's another, there's another part of this conversation. At what point then do we forgive ourselves? At what point then do we forgive ourselves? I don't know if it's Fred Hammond or whomever. No, it's not Fred Hammond. It's the guy over in, um, over in Houston, Texas. I forgive me. That's a song. So you need to forgive yourself and quit beating up on yourself. Because the devil got enough folk already assigned to do that for him. So if I don't believe the witness of God, then I'm making God a liar. Can you imagine coming into the courtroom and God is on the witness stand and he says, Jesus is my son and he gives eternal life and you walk up there and say, you're a liar. Who would do that to the creator? You say, well, I wouldn't dare say that, Pastor. No, but do you act that way? Do you act like you haven't been forgiven? Tell you, we can't do that. You cannot do that and be happy with the Lord. You know, I didn't say, say that part, but I'm, you know. Now, it's not but one sin. Read my lips. It's not but one sin that will send someone into the lake of fire and brimstone. That's after they come out of hell, if death catches them. So if it's not but one sin, now, now understand this. No believer can go to hell. You should have turned over a pew right there. No, no believer can go to hell. Hell is made for the devil and for his angels. How in the world do you think a believer can go to hell and while he's here on earth, he's already seated in heavenly places in Christ? Do you know we're already in heaven? So God is not going to pull us out of Christ, break the seal of redemption, and then throw us into hell. It's not going to happen. It will never happen. Because God has made heaven for us. Hell is prepared for the devil and for his angels. Anybody in here listen to this? So what is the only sin? The only single sin 
that will send an individual into the lake of fire. Do you know what it is? It ain't blaspheming. Huh? Not receiving Christ will sure get you there in a hurry. The only sin that will send a soul into the lake of fire, watch this. You're not going to agree with this because I realize that I may have a couple of religious people here that want everybody to go to hell except them and their family. <laughs> you have people like that. The only single sin that will send a person into the lake of fire is the sin of unbelief. It'll get you there every time. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe Jesus Christ, God's son, go to hell and then to the lake. That's the way, that's the way it equates out. You say, well, he smoked crack. That won't send nobody to hell. Even if it crack his head. It ain't going to send him to hell. Well, I saw him down there the other night committing adultery. That won't send him to hell. He stole somebody's, that won't send him to hell. All those are sins, don't get me wrong, because some of y'all are fast to run out and say, adultery. Understand what's being said. Why do you think Christ came? He came to forgive us for all that stuff. That's what his blood is for. Forgiveness of every one of our sins. That's why you don't have authority to bring no sin back to me that maybe you have, uh, saw me committing. You don't have no authority to bring no sin back to me. Because while you are doing that to me, you are offending the Holy Spirit because you don't know at what point I repented. You don't know when I repented. You're not God. You couldn't know that. So therefore, you don't have no authority from him to condemn me. John chapter 10. This is straight talk. And people, some folk don't like straight talk. But I know here at this church, y'all love it. Amen. Amen. Unbelief is the only sin that's going to send somebody into the lake of fire. Not smoking cigarettes, not lusting in your heart. And those things within themselves are wrong to do, don't get me wrong. But it won't send you to hell. It won't send you into the lake of fire and brimstone. Here in John's Gospel chapter 10, Jesus Christ is speaking. Do you have it? All right, in John's Gospel chapter 10. And let's see if we can commence at verse 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you. And you believe not. That is right there. That is right. Every Sunday morning around America, people are being told, and they believe not. 
They got to feel something. They got to see something. They got to touch something. They got to feel a certain way about something. You better get over here and get saved about something. Jesus said, Jesus said, listen, I told you and you don't believe me. What do you think? May I ask you a question? May I? What do you think it would take for any individual to believe that Jesus Christ is God's son? What do you think it's going to take for them to believe it? Just throw it on out there. What do you think it's going to take? Because if you tell them and they don't believe it, they have no remedy. There's no remedy. There, there is no evolving solution to unbelief. Let me read on. So Jesus said, I told you, in verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them temporary life. What is eternal life? And I give unto them eternal life. Listen to this. Please listen to this. And they shall never perish. Now, where, 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 do, where do people get confused? People get confused because they come into this confused. They want God to touch them. Touch them on my head, Lord. Uh -huh. Speak to me a special word. G give me a word that's not in your word. Man, you, 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 uh-uh. You are subject, like I am, to the same word. It's not but one way to get saved. It's not but one way to get sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's not but one way to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You have no special remedy that God has given you that the rest of us don't know about. <laughs> we all have to come the same way. You meet somebody next week and they say, I got saved. You say, well, how did you get saved? The Lord told me to ride a motorcycle to El Paso. <laughs> you don't even own a motorcycle. So you see the complexity that can get in all this stuff. If God tell one person a way to get saved, tell another person another way, tell another person another way. He, he's not going to do that. The one door that was in the ark for Noah them to go in and for God to close the door represented Jesus. Didn't he say, I'm the door? By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Mm -hmm, he meant that. So if you don't come by the door, you can't be saved. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. That's so intimate. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father 
who gave them to me. See, we are a gift from God to his son. God gave us to Jesus. And they shall never perish. A long time ago, I was talking to an older minister who's no longer on the earth scene. And he told me I could walk out of God's hand. Man, I can't even walk to the Cooper Road. How in the world am I going to walk out of God's hand? And then he said, no man can pluck you out of his hand. Then you know what he told me? Yeah, but God can pluck you out. Show me where God can pluck me. People are saying all this stuff with no scriptural evidence. Like them black Hebrew Israelites. Now you, you've been in a gospel church 15 years and here comes some black Hebrew Israelite that's telling you, you are Israelite. Man, your mom and them from Stony Hill, how you get to be an Israelite? And if you're Israelite, what tribe did you come from? I can see if you say that I'm a Blackfoot, you know, from the Indian tribe. I got you. I can see the foot. <laughs> but you're going to tell me you're from Issachar. You're not from Issachar. Y'all quit letting these people make a fool out of you. Now, here you are. You got 15 stacks of books on your kitchen table trying to find out if you're from Issachar. Just go get your birth certificate. You from Stonewall. When it comes to the things of God, we must allow God to show us his things. Just that simple. That's what I do. Now, I have never been confused about who God is. Never. I've been confused about these scriptures, listening to all these crazy people and going to all these house Bible studies. But not about, mm -mm. and I, I got confused when I, uh, about salvation when I was a baby in Christ. I was a little bit everywhere trying to find the truth, but it all led back to Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. Okay, give me just a few more minutes and I'll be through. Now, Jesus is speaking. He says in verse 29, My father who gave them to me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. You got that? Jesus said, ain't nobody going to pluck you out of my hand. Because he got the whole world in his hand. And ain't nobody going to pluck you out of my father's hand. What a blessing. Ever since I've been here at Greenwood Acres and before I got here, I've always met people that were not sure they were saved. And, 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 and I spent quality time talking to people like that after church for years, for years, for years. God knows for years, not every Wednesday, but for years. And never could convince them about these scriptures. 
I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Well, well, well how, how, how do I know I got it? The man said you got it. And I, I, I don't make fun of people who are grasping, trying to wrap their mind around salvation. But you got to remember now, once saved, always saved. The only way you go to hell is that God fall dead right now. He died one time. He ain't dying no more. So if you don't believe his word, you cannot be saved. There's no remedy for you. You say, well, Pastor, you, you're talking like that to people. Let me tell you something. If I pass by your house at 2.30 in the morning and saw smoke billowing out of the front screen door, do you think I'm supposed to be up there talking about I'm going to try to break that door down if I'm not afraid and scream, fire, get out! Fire! Run! That's the shape the world is in. Your kinfolk, your cousins, your mama, your daddy, ain't saved. But is a deacon at the church. So I need to conclude this. This is simple in my mind. If God told me, and he did, that I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. You talking about me. You talking about me. You, you, you are talking about me. You said you know me. You said you give those that know you eternal life. Didn't you say it? Yes. You said the witness of God is greater than the witness of man. You sure did. You talking to me. So how does one insert himself into God's word? You just do it. You don't have to feel it. And you sure ain't going to see it. <laughs> do, do, do you know, God ain't going to show you nothing. But this word out here. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. That's enough word right there to save New York City. So please get saved today. Don't, don't let no church person that owe you $50 and all that. See, the devil be doing some stuff. I ain't coming to Christ because they owe me $50. Well, if that's the case, I will give you $50 to come. It's a wonderful thing to know Jesus. wonderful thing. Thank God for the two clappers. Wonderful thing. All right, John 5 and, uh, and 30. I and my father are one. That means that there is no breaking the relationship between God and his son Jesus Christ. Now, being born again affords me an opportunity to pray without Mary. Uh, did, do I need to say that again? 
I'm not talking about Mary Caldwell. But this affords me an opportunity to pray without Mary. I ain't got to go find Mary. She might be at the beauty shop. I ain't got that time. But then there, there are so many folk lined up. Who you praying to? I'm praying to the Virgin Mary. So what are you, what are you saying? What do you say to Mary when you talk to her? You tell her, Mother Mary, forgive me for my sins. Well, who's going to forgive her for hers? You didn't know that Mary had sinned? She wasn't a virgin but one time. You can't be a virgin but one time. And she had Jesus. And she was no longer a virgin. And after that, she had at least six more children. So here we go again. We praying to Mary. Where is she? She couldn't be at God's right hand because Jesus is there. So where's Mary? Mary's dead and gone. Wait a minute, Pastor, don't you be talking about Mary because I, I talk to her every morning. You talk to yourself every morning. <laughs> so if you're going to throw Mary in there and say, I pray to Mary, then why, let's just put Peter in there too. Because you know he loves to talk. What about James? What about Bartholomew? in there. That's what we do for Christmas. <laughs> we got them waiting their turn. And so I put James in there last year so he go year and year after next. I'm putting Peter in there. Who told you to pray to Peter? When we are born again we have access to God. Can I get a witness at the church? We, we have access to God. So why am I out here on the patio talking to Peter? Peter is dead and gone. The apostle Paul, dead and gone. The Lord Jesus, alive and well. He's alive and he's well and he's alive and well forevermore. And still has the keys of hell and death and has given eternal life to all that call upon him. Two more things and I'm through. Y'all are so patient. I thank God for you. Have you ever have you ever seen this scripture? In John chapter 17? Okay, let me let me let me show it to you. See God's assurance is to every believer that you are always saved and sealed. Until the day of redemption. That's in your Bible. Man I found myself in, 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 in some conferences. With people that believe you can be saved and lost. And um, where did I tell you to go? And uh, they had Bishop Caldwell to come up and say a word to the congregants. And my thing is. Everybody in here that have accepted Jesus is saved and sealed forever. And I went to my seat. That was enough because there was some big men in there. <laughs> See, you, you got to know what size you are. And, you know, you, you know, ain't no point to prove because they'll throw you out. But the Lord has blessed me, man. I've been in, I've been in some congregation with some, 
some some folk in conference, and I just want them to know, you know, if you accept Jesus, you're saved and sealed forever. And that was enough, just go and sit down before you be put down. <laughs> but you'll be amazed when you ask people, are you saved? And they say, yeah. And you ask them, how did you get saved? You'd be amazed. If it's not God's way, it's not done right. Let me show you something. John chapter 17, look at verse 3. Jesus Christ, what we call the, his high priestly prayer. Listen to this. And this is life eternal. Now he's getting ready to show us what life eternal is. And I believe we can trust him. Anybody who died for you went ahead and got the keys and came back, I think you can trust what he says. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Now that puts a whole nother situation out there. God is eternal life. And to know him is to know eternal life. That's what Jesus said. How do we get to know God? By knowing the Son. God is our eternal life. Because God reached in his bosom and got his son Jesus out and sent him into the world and he came down through 42 generations. So we got to understand, man, we are saved and we are sealed until the day of redemption. That seal cannot be broken. God himself is that seal. God is our eternal life. And once saved, always saved. It's not going to go anywhere. I'm running out of time, so I had to choose two, between two scriptures. And uh, the scripture I chose was uh, John's Gospel, chapter 16. That's the last scripture. John's Gospel, chapter 16. I had to bifurcate right quick. You know, I just got through talking to you about prayer. In order for these to connect, let me take you back to 1 John 5 and 14. Because I'm trying to do better with connecting the things I give you so that you can walk off with you know, not a piece of the leg of the chicken missing. I want you to have the whole thing. First John 5, are you there? Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, well, no, I need to read this on down to you. That's what I need to do, starting at verse 11. And this is the record that God had given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Nobody else. He that hath the son, now, the, the, now, now I'm into this area of the haves and the have-nots without Tyler Perry. I'm going to show you the haves, then I'm going to show you the have-nots. Is that fair? Okay, now notice this. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have. Eternal life. So in this verse of scripture right here, the haves are those that have eternal life by receiving Jesus. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now those are the haves. Okay? 
the ones who have accepted Jesus. Verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. Now, I think that's in verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's just as simple. Those are your haves and your have nots. Now, those of you that can't be at church on Wednesday night because that's where you are, then get to church. Okay. You look at verse 14. And if we know that we, and if we know that God hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Amen? So when I'm born again and I go to God in prayer, I know that I have the petitions that I desire of him. He's going to answer my prayers. That's assurance that God is going to hear me. And he's going to hear me now. John 16, last verse of scripture. John's gospel chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. It's a wonderful thing to know that you can go to God in prayer. And you know what? Even if you sin, go to him. Just go. He's waiting on you. He will forgive you. He loves you. He's going to make it right. John 16, what did I say, 24, 25? Jesus is speaking. And in that day, you shall ask me nothing. This, this is the day he's speaking of. We don't go to Jesus in prayer. You pray to God the Father. You don't pray to the Son. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatever you shall ask the Father, that is, in my name, he will give it you. Now that's what's consistent with his word. Anything outside of his word, he has no obligation. But notice this, verse 24. Hitherto or up to this time have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. You don't tell me that God don't want me happy. I don't care what happened to me. God still want me happy. He want me to rejoice. He want me, you know, to, to keep on loving him and knowing that whatever I have brought and have given to him, he's already taken care of it. So you see, we're to ask in Jesus' name when we go to the Father. Not Mary's name, not Peter's name, not nobody else's name, not all but they name, none of that. We're to go to God in the name of Jesus and he will hear us. Ain't that a blessing? Man, that blesses me. A am I the only one in here that's uh, being blessed? I am. I am. I'm so grateful. 
Once saved, always saved. And that's what God wants you to know. That's what God wants us to know. And there's nothing we can do to change that formula. Now the question is, will I do his will and There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. The power in the blood of Jesus on the cross at Calvary is God's resolution to the redemption of every lost sinner forever. Today is the day of salvation and now is the acceptable time because tomorrow is not promised. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in your house. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Jesus said, come the Father says, come. The Holy Spirit says, come. And I say, come. You need to come now. Now the question is, when will Jesus return? I was the chiefest of sinners, Paul says, and so say I. I called upon Jesus over 46 years ago, and he answered me, came into my heart, and brought with him the gift of eternal life. And he'll do the same for you if you call. The trouble all over the world. I'm telling every man, woman, boy, and girl is coming soon. Say these words to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I believe you are Lord. Come into my heart. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I accept you now, Lord, as my personal Lord and Savior. If you said those words, and if you mean those words, they are recorded. In the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, verse 9 through 13. Welcome to the household of faith. Much, much love to you. Hello, this is Bishop Carwell, and this is the Know Your Bible radio broadcast. The world needs Jesus now more than ever before. And you can help us to reach the world for Jesus Christ. I ask for you to pray for what the Lord will have you to do as it relates to financial support toward Know Your Bible. And then send your gifts of love to Know Your Bible, 7480 Greenwood Road, Shreveport, Louisiana, 71119. That's the Know Your Bible radio broadcast, 7480 Greenwood Road, Shreveport, Louisiana, 71119. We also welcome your prayer requests and your praise reports. So until we meet again right here on Know Your Bible, you pray for me and I'll be praying for you. And guess what? We'll all be prayed for. Much, much love to you. Now I see.